Welcome to Gateway Geek, a podcast for those wondering what this geek thing is all about. I'm your moderator, Jess Aducci. This week on Gateway Geek, we address one of the foundational pillars of geekdom, video games. Today, we are with Daniel Hawley, Dungeon Master and Gaming Nerd. That's exactly how Daniel would introduce himself to you. That's it. I don't really think I need anything else, right? Tony Faith of 30-something Digital. Hello. And Nick Aducci of Bangerang Animation, Lucky Underpants Entertainment, and also my husband. Hi. All right. So here at Gateway Geek, we've talked about movies, TV, and toys. Uh, with today's topic, we take on something that might have been considered geeky from the very beginning, uh, video games. Real quick, this episode is titled Up, Up, Down, Down, Left, Right, Left, Right, Be a Start. One of you want to tell our audience what the significance of that is? I'll go ahead and jump at this one. This is an easy one. Uh, so this is, um, this is, I think it's called the Konami Code um, is the official term for it if you want to get technical. Basically, Konami was this uh, game developer f- uh, that made a lot of really popular games. Probably the biggest one, the one that I knew growing up, was Contra. And at the start of the game, before you got started, if you found that the games were too hard for you, you could use a cheat code. That was exactly the the sequence you just listed, and uh, and everything would magically be much easier. And inevitably, they were that hard. You needed to know. Everybody knows that code. <laughs> Everybody knows that code, right? It's a, yes. It's a thing. Very few people could actually beat the game without using that. So remember, we have a bunch of geek-interested newbies listening. People were trying to introduce to geekdom. So have video games been geeky from the very beginning? Do you think we really need to define what a video game is for our newbie audience? What do you think? Um, uh, I, I think the the answer to them being geeky, going back to, say, like the Atari and stuff like that, which are some of the first consoles I knew about with your Pong and things like that, I don't think they were necessarily geeky as they were kind of like new technology. So I guess in that sense, they were geeky. But later on, I think they became geeky when, you know, again, there was more of an investment required to like play them. So it took, you know, Pong was sort of the same thing over and over again. You played it once, you play it again the same way a thousand times. But, you know, once you get in your games with levels and, you know, things change and you can't even see content until you progress further and get better at it and have to build some sort of skill, it... It definitely became a little bit more of a geek geek thing in that the way we've been describing geek is investment is involved, investment in what you're mm-hmm. doing and what you love. So, but there's, and I don't know if you want to talk about this yet, but there's a whole nother, I think, especially in current gaming realm of gamers that that I don't think are geeks uh, because I think there's a whole like genre of games out there that aren't targeted at geeks at all. They're targeted, I mean. One of the first things about video games, like 90, I'd say 9% of them, is they're competitive. Either it's you versus a computer, you know, or AI, artificial intelligence, or you versus other players. It's it's as mm-hmm. competitive as any sport. Uh, it's just, it requires your reflexes are pretty much in your hands and in your brain, and that's about all the, the physical expenditure you're, you're putting out. So there are plenty of games that target the competitive people who I would I would argue are not geeks. Okay. You know, I would actually uh, – I'd like to differ a little bit. I think that from the beginning there have been different calibers of games, and I think you'll find that now as well. I think that back in the day there were Pong and uh, Miss Pac-Man, which my parents loved to go to the old Pizza Hut or whatever nearby restaurant and play Miss Pac-Man on the arcade 
Um, and so there were casual games at the beginning, but there were also the kids who had the computer that they built themselves that were playing like text adventures that just said mm-hmm. like, you see in front of you, there's a candlestick and all these other things. Like, what do you do? And you have to type in the exact response. And if you don't, then it doesn't recognize what you're trying to do. It's just like, I think that those different tiers of geekdom existed from the beginning. Um, Mm. And I think they still exist now. I think that now we have a lot of casual gamers that play on their phones, that play, um, you know, Call of Duty or um, things that don't take as much investment. You can come and sit down and play a couple games and then be be done. Um, But there are also the people that play Skyrim for, you know, hours and hours and hours and Hundreds have so much invested hours. in their character that wait you stopped playing skyrim <laughs> no no never of course not <laughs> i did i still keep thinking uh geek or nerd um because nerd was the term i heard a lot of the time because nerd was always referring to the guys dan mentioned the guys who play ultima uh, ultima on their computers where it's just you know you type in text and you get a response and actually i would say that that they're right that those are geeky games i i actually had some of those i think i played castle and i completely forgot about it so thanks for that memory guys that's awesome it's, it's back <laughs> in my brain awesome. i'm gonna seal it away <laughs> they are no i'm not even being sarcastic right now those are great but uh i i meant more like pong and stuff like that was interesting because it was new mm-hmm. kind of referencing television again there was a great episode of that 70s show where two of the characters like had a, a, a i'd say they were geeks about this but they'd had pong and they were so like into it that they wanted to make it harder so they cracked open the console and soldered the chips magically and made the paddles smaller to make it more challenging maybe it's just your love of it love of the game because i would say you could be a geek for phone games i i think absolutely too you can be uh, obsessed that's for sure i would like to make the distinction right now and hear you guys's opinion i think there you can be a casual gamer and still be a geek and I think you can be a hardcore gamer and not be a geek. I do not think the two are tied together. I think they are two separate descriptions. I kind of want to uh, mention the distinction you made with like people who play the game like it's a sport, and then people who just kind of play it. Either because it's not it's not really a competitive thing. It's more of a well. There are certain games that are like it's reading a good book. Mm-hmm. Like there are Final Fantasies, mostly RPGs, things like that, role-playing um, role games. Playing games. Yeah. You play through them, you hear more content, you see drama. It's like a TV show. Um, you spend sometimes into the hundreds of hours playing these things because you love the characters and you see everything that unfolds with them and you want to see everything about the world because it's fascinating. It's like a book series. And then you want to do it six more times after that, which at that point I would say you're a hardcore gamer of the RPG right? because you're investing so much and you're so determined to do every little thing that you can possibly do. Or or you're like big into the um, the competitive angle. Like I had a really good – I had a, a friend in uh, Florida who uh, – I haven't been in contact with him for a while, but this guy is absolutely nuts about Street Fighter 2 Turbo, which is a game that was made in oh, like, the, like 1991 or something. The Super and, Nintendo, uh, right? Yeah, Super That's Nintendo not, game. Yeah, that generation. And, like, competitive. He's been playing it, like, still, is still playing it, like, as, like, in tournaments. Like, people mm-hmm. are still insisting on playing it. It's like... Like, he's not in his basement. Chess. He's, like, meeting up with people playing this. It's not... People mm-hmm. actually win money playing mm-hmm. this game. It's like, it's weird. Um, A game from 1991. That's incredible. Yeah, or <laughs> it's like StarCraft. StarCraft does that, too, still. Uh, some yeah. people still play the old one, but there's been an updated version that people still play competitively now, but the pots are huge. Originally, yeah, like Dan pointed out, there's kind of the computers, which, you know, you can, like, 
upgrade them. They they still have this quality of anything you play on a computer can be can be infinitely better than whatever gets played on a generic console game. Consoles like your Super Nintendos, your Playstations, your um, your we'll uh, go through all that in a second. Xbox, but um, it, it can be upgradable. But it takes money and investment and time to do that, and a little bit of know-how um, with how you know video cards work and all that kind of stuff. So from the beginning, that was always there, and because it always had that potential, some people really dug into it. But consoles were more; it's one locked system, and for the next ten, fifteen years, it's going to stay that way. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, but they keep releasing games for it, and you know, only a certain group of people make them. But then, you know, every about ten years or so, a new crop. Crop came out, and and what happens with each one is kind of the PCs, personal computers, they sort of forge the way, and the consoles end up trying to lock down as much as they can and hope that it is good for the next ten years. <laughs> so, kind of at the start, you had this idea that like computers are this this foreign thing of the future. Actually, yeah, like originally when the mouse was invented, um, all of the connoisseurs of the industry thought that there was going to be no use for it. Um, because everything was text-based back then. And so they, mm. the person who invented the mouse was kind of like laughed out um, because no one could see that there was a use for it. And uh, yeah, just because that that was what computer gaming was back then, um, or that's what computers were back then, and computer gaming kind of uh, became a thing out of that. Um, so it was this thing that was really foreign to the culture at the time um, and really kind of bizarre to most people. Mm-hmm. Consoles, on the other hand, uh, were like previewed as as uh, built up as this thing that was very accessible. Anyone could buy it. It's plug and play. You take it home, plug it into your TV. It just takes like a three minute setup instead of you know needing to know like rocket science in order to assemble a computer and, and get everything working. And so initially, it kind of uh, they just flourished because of the fact that they were something that everyone could use and. Geez, they're entertaining. They're fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so over time, it's kind of remained that way. I would say that um, today, uh, most of the the very serious gamers um, are are computer based. Um, I, I, it's not always the case, mm-hmm. um, but when I, you know, when I think of people who are or more casual gamers, but are still like interested in putting down some money, still want to play like games that are current. Mm-hmm. Um, Call of Duty and, and whatever else. I know that I mentioned that earlier, but that's just the the one that I think of when I think of people who play console games. Um, I, I would say Nick, uh, or sorry, Dan. I would say Dan. Um, Call of Duty players can be even on the console can be very hardcore. I would not call them casual, but I would not call them geeks. Uh, same thing with any sort of mm-hmm. like not every. Oh, oh boy, you know. And I'm, I'm I'm gonna step on some toes here, but I'd say the same with anybody who plays like you know, the, the mainstream sports games, the ones where they literally just take the same game and put a new year at the end of it, you know, Madden NFL 2017. I worked with people who work at EA. All they do is update the rosters, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and that's, he's talking about, uh, another gaming company and EA is one electronic arts that you'll probably hear us mention a lot as far as, they make what not to do. Yeah, well, they make non-geek <laughs> oh. games. We, well, well, just to relate it back to movies or Geeks television. On one of the things oh, yeah, I yeah. used to say <laughs> in movies and television: what makes a geeky movie or geeky television is the again the investment in the 
amount of like effort that was put into it. It can't, mm-hmm. you know, we were dogging in TV some of the the CW channel shows, even though you know maybe we watch them, but because they're not really they're they're pandering or they're also trying to placate to other audiences. And EA is really good at doing that for non geek gamers. They make the same kind of game over and over again, minor changes, and people buy them. I mean, they make so much money. I mean, they're the ones making the bank, just like anybody who grinds out, like, reality TV, or, mm. you know, the same rom-com or you know, bad action movie that, you know, has no thought put into it because it's following a formula. It, it, that exists in the video game world, and it, it makes money, and it can frustrate, you know, geeky gamers who want to, like, see more money go into games that involve creativity. And so mm-hmm. that's that's definitely something... But but the people who play Call of Duty and and you know Madden whatever are seriously like into it and they're competitive and and they mm-hmm. spend hours playing and getting better and and it's it's a macho thing or or a, a ego thing about getting mm-hmm. the highest score and you know getting ranked and getting recognized because a lot of this stuff is all about playing against other people online. It's not even yeah. like a single player is who wants that. It's about playing other people online and beating them. It's like there's no Crushing single player basketball. I mean that I know and then of. getting to smack talk. football. <laughs> it, yeah, and then getting to, to, to yeah smack talk them you know down and <laughs> and feel like ah oh, I'm superior. I mean it's as as jock heavy <laughs> as any sports team. And and yeah, obviously, obviously, we're not fans of that. I think you can tell by the tone of our voice. But it is extremely popular, and it makes lots of money. And I'm just saying it's out there. But they are hardcore. It sounds like we're splitting hairs here a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. I think the I think what Tony's point about assessing all that is it's it's kind of a these are guys who are not one of the geeks who end right. up enjoying a lot of these games like Halo and and Medal of Honor and stuff like that uh, because I there are a Halo. lot of or or NFL or Madden NFL or whatever um because you know they they were not one of the geeks when they were in high school and all that kind of stuff and and generally probably aren't now um so they wouldn't be into the fantasy and sci-fi all i'm saying is hardcore does not equal geek and I'm really right. just driving that home again. And in, in these examples we're listing of Call of Duties, those people are not casual players. A lot of them are not casual players. They are casual players that exist that play Call of Duty. But- yeah, I was kind of floundering on my point, and so I appreciate what, what you were saying there. And that is really the point that I was trying to make, is that the PC gamers are the people that I think of as being a little bit more geeky. They're more invested. Um, they spend more time keeping their product up because not only do you have to buy it and set it up initially, but you also have the upkeep. If a, if a hard drive fails or if a video card fails, then you have to know how to replace it and all that business, whereas this, the consoles are built to be plug-and-play, and if something goes wrong, you send it back and you get a new one. Um, and yeah. so it's as, it's as simple as that, you know, like, so geek is what I was trying to distinguish. Geek mm-hmm. equals PC, not geek equals console. And I don't agree with that at all, but, but I definitely, I, I see, I see where you're saying that if they have a PC, they're more prone to be geeky about it. Sure. I'm painting with broad strokes, but I mean, that's basically yes. broad strokes that I tend to agree with, but I would put it as a Venn diagram kind of thing. There are probably more geeks who are PC gamers than there are people who there and there are geeks among the console gamers and then even less so among the iPhone gamers and then maybe even less so among the the hardcore first person shooter gamers maybe but it's like i right. don't know <laughs> but we described the geek in the beginning as someone of video games as someone who puts in that investment and really wants to get into like everything and and the reason that the EA type grind out games don't count as geek is because it's the same thing over and over again there isn't anything to invest in other than mm-hmm. the competition so on that point mm-hmm. what do you think of pokemon 
because Pokemon does that. It's a very, very, very formulaic game, and it's basically Mm -hmm. on collecting things. This is a thing that games can sometimes be maligned for doing because they just kind of harp on that little tick that human beings have to collect stuff. And uh, they just, you know, some some casual games do this too, like Farmville and stuff like that, where people just get obsessed with these games because they just got to do it, but then they just make new things just to people to buy so, more. So you're asking, are Pokemon players? I, I think it depends on the player. I don't think it necessarily depends on the game. I yeah, think, true. I mean, I, I considered myself a bit of a geek when I did play Pokemon, and then eventually I started to see the pattern like you did, like you described, and I was like, I'm not invested in this anymore, but originally it was new and an experience, and every game had little, like, things that made it easier, like things that were obnoxious before, and you could see the improvement happening. But yeah, I'd say it depends on the player. If someone's just all about it, I mean, there are TV shows and lore behind Pokemon that you can seriously invest in. I mean, a million different stuffed animals for each one. And and I think you can totally be a geek (laughs) for Pokemon. Yes, I think that that the the ability's there, but you're right. It is a very formulaic game. Some people like that familiarity and get really upset when it's changed. So I mean, we we had computers and consoles, you know, starting out, um, and it was geeky on some level to to start out. Whether it was from kind of a nerd side, whether it was you know, the obsessive geek side, like we've talked about with prior, um, prior podcasts, but we keep talking about video games and we kind of keep talking about, um, computers and consoles and everything else. So break that down for me. I know it may seem really simple, especially in the world we live in, where it is so (laughs) saturated with video games. What do you mean by video game? And what, what are the basic differences between like the console and a computer. I mean, and Nick, you kind of went into that for sure, but I kind of, I, w- I want to get very specific and succinct about it. When you say, what do you mean by video game? Are you asking like, like that question you said in the beginning, what like what is, is a video game? Because I think you said earlier that yeah. we weren't even going to try and define that. It's, I mean, it's, 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 I said, do we need to define it? But I, I don't, I'm wondering if we do. I don't think so. I think, I mean, you, like Nick's phone or everybody's smartphone now has like an, a category called games. I mean, I think they're, if you don't know what a, a video game is... Uh, is it just a game on an electronic device? Is that... Yes. Yes. I guess I that's mean, what A visual electronic device. An electronic device okay. with a video element or a visual element. Okay. So you don't even need a video element because, I mean, you still have, like, the text-based games. But you there's still the text. Games. You still see the text. Board games on a screen right. are... It's video. You see what I'm saying? Like, like raw definition really breaking it down it's it's visual on a digital device of some kind even if it's just the text um otherwise you have a tabletop game which is played on your table we're we're aging out of this and i understand it may it may feel like a silly question Mm. but there are still people who if you say video game they may assume either something outside of the purview of video games as as I'm, I'm kind of trying to think of an example. Oh, are of that we wanting to find what they are they... now or what encompasses them now? Because I would say then anything on your mobile device, anything on your computer, anything that you mm-hmm. view through your television, uh, yes, then all of those, it, it, you know, will fall under the, the video game category. There's usually some sort of challenge in a game. Again, this 
mm-hmm. isn't always true, but there's, you know, may not be getting from point A to B, but, you know, there's usually some sort of challenge or, like, objective in each game, in a game. And that that's what makes it a game. Well, and even if you're on your phone... Uh, and it's it's typically uh, a tabletop game or something because there's plenty mm-hmm. of that out there. The Scrabbles or Bejeweled, and the, or you know, I was playing Mastermind or something the other day. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. though, to me, that's not a video game because even though it's on I my electronic disagree. device, that's uh, a video game. Okay. Well, see, the distinction I would make is the term gamer. You know, that's actually just mm-hmm. a person who plays games. Um, video, be they Dungeons and Dragons on pen and paper, be they an RPG that does the same thing. It just does all the math inside the computer for you, and it also displays things instead of using your imagination. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, they're both games. And then one was termed video games because it required a TV to use it. Mm-hmm. I guess that's how it got the name. Um, mm-hmm. And then now, I mean, you don't have to do that. Or a monitor. Um, or a monitor, I mean, yeah. 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 Some but that's, that's really display. what it is, is a visual <laughs> monitor. And that's so, – so your your board game on your phone is still a video game. It's based after a tabletop mm-hmm. game. Maybe it's identical, but it's not a tabletop game because you're not playing it on your table anymore. Or, yeah, you know, I agree. I'm going to side computer. with that one. Sorry, I'm going to side with Tony on that. Uh, yeah. You need video to play it, so – there yeah. you go, video game. I'm I'm seeing it. I'm, I'm thinking of Mastermind because I was playing that the other day on my phone, mm-hmm. and I have that like as a physical game. But the difference is on my phone, it's not even just the video element; it's the fact that I'm playing against the computer. I'm, I don't have another player that I'm playing with, you know, but, against or whatever. But you could, like in Words with Friends, like you, you can could, be playing but, against your friends, then, and it's still. But you're saying it's different, and that's why it's not a video game. No, no, no. I'm actually agreeing with you guys. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was like, <laughs> I feel like you're making my point. So to be clear, <laughs> I Jess, am. I'm you were wrong. <laughs> oh, no. Just because wow. I recently gave you a hard time about admitting I was right, you don't have to go there. She honey. gets final cut on this, man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> She's going to make me say something awful later. I know she will. <laughs> okay, so I'd say games starting with about the PlayStation and N64 and earlier maybe even PlayStation 2 now. Um, those are retro games at this point. Um, sprite-based games, they got that look to what them. Is, what is sprite-based? What, what look are By you talking sprite-based, I mean, they look like little tiny cartoony figures because, you know, the pixel resolution was so small on these things. You know, they had to get, like, if you look at the old-school Mario, the little Mario running and jumping is a sprite. It is a little image that is being moved along by your controller. But the resolution had to be small because the memory on the games was so little they couldn't afford anything else. Okay. So uh, if you play anything that's probably on the PlayStation or the N64 or the Xbox that did come out that year, yeah, and the Sega Dreamcast and earlier, those are at this point, retro games, I think. Because there's a whole category of people who are nostalgic for these kinds of games. Not that that means they're bad or you have to be old to enjoy them. Not at all. Um, In fact, I think that's what most phone games are trying to emulate these days, which, at least the good ones. Um, And then after that, okay, so now, the the three big ones, as they are, um, well, there's actually a fourth. Um, Among the console games, at least, there's three. PlayStation, which is Sony, um, that's kind of a Sony, you know, they're the big home theater company. The games they make, I think a lot of the time try to be cinematic or family friendly and stuff. Uh, they, they try to, you know, capture that angle because, you know, they want their thing to always be in your living room. 
Xbox um, or now the Xbox One. You know, oh, and by the way, the current generation is PlayStation Four. Um, current gest- generation of Xbox is Xbox One, the X Bone, as some people call it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, it's got the Connect. This one is kind of favored by people who really like the first-person shooter stuff and maybe a little more hardcore gamers. They sort of blur the line between PC and console gamers sometimes. Every console would love to be everything to everybody, so they're always going to have, you know, something to offer everyone. But generally, Xbox tends to do that. And then Nintendo. Nintendo is still in the game. Um, who, who, and you may have said this and I missed it, um, who offers the Xbox? Oh, Microsoft. Is that, do you think that is part of the, the crossover <laughs> yes, that you were that talking is, about? that is probably very much the reason for that. Okay. And then there's Nintendo, which, can you believe it, back in the 1930s or something was a toy company. But, uh, yeah, in the 80s, they're the oldest ones that are still around as original game makers kind of thing, because Atari's gone, Odyssey is gone. There's this whole bunch of older companies that used to exclusively make games that aren't around anymore. Nintendo's the closest thing to one of those that's still Atari's there. still around, right? They're just... They, they got bought... The their name got bought games. by somebody else a long time ago. It's... Mostly it's for the... It's for the properties that they own. It's... None of the same people are there or anything, so it's... And Jess, that's something else to consider. Uh, like with everything else geek-wise is we're obviously very aware of who makes the stuff that we like. So mm-hmm. we're keeping mm-hmm. track of who's still ma- just making consoles, who's a game developer. Uh, you definitely, in this day and age, with so many games coming out and some a lot of them very bad and still equally expensive want to pay attention to not just the production company but who are the people involved in it i mean the directors of games and things like that can be important absolutely mm-hmm. and that's one thing um some people really like nintendo for well i mean multiple reasons some of it's nostalgia but they are also are have a really good formula down and that formula was kind of built by their main you know president guy shingri miyamoto the guy who sort of created mario and and zelda and these really big names for games like if there's a Mickey Mouse of gaming, it's Mario. And that's mm. kind of where that came from, was this guy. And he's got several properties. Um, there's there's Metroid. I mean, heck, you, you look at the whole um, pantheon of characters from Smash Brothers, <laughs> which I'm sure somebody might have heard of. Uh, yeah, that's a game that Nintendo has where you play a lot of characters beating each other up. All those characters from Nintendo are, games. They're all like are, are Nintendo over. games. I, I think Nick, what you're trying to say there is that Nintendo has a lot of characters, a lot of video games based on characters that existed when they first started. Mario, uh, The Legend of Zelda, was it the game Link being the character, the guy in the green tunic, uh, Metroid, the armored space-looking character. They, these characters they keep coming back in new consoles, in new games, uh, and you know. Typically, mostly the same kind of style of gameplay. It offers a bit of nostalgia. But I would also say Nintendo, ever since the uh, console before their current one, the Wii, when they started adding in like the, the motion controllers where you move and the character moves and things like that, have kind of brought in a different kind of like more casual audience where it's more of party fun and it's more a console for, you know that sort of group gatherings and things like that. They're, they're finding a, besides the retro niche, they're finding a new niche in that instead of trying to compete with these more power, these consoles that are built to play more complex games. And I was, I was meaning to get to that. Uh, Their audience mainly, they seem to target, you know, kids first kind of thing because they're, they're very colorful. They have a lot of characters that are very, you know, maybe 
appealing as cartoon kind of things. But they're they also make plenty of other games too. They've got uh, Bayonetta <laughs> among other things. <laughs> Still but, colorful, um, just not for children. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, interestingly, um, so, they. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Nintendo has actually sold more Wii U's, which is the current console, mm-hmm. um, to guys that are our age instead of young kids. Um, exactly, like like families as well, but largely playing off of the nostalgia factor, like you were saying. Um, mm, that is a that huge factor the in Zelda audience. games, Mario games, mm. Star Fox, etc. Nintendo was kind of in in the slums, and they weren't competing well. And then they made the Wii, which introduced motion control first, and got everybody hooked on it before you know the Xbox with its Kinect or the PlayStation with its whatever. I still don't know what it's called because it's it was called so Move, and it's terrible. Yeah, oh, they're all terrible. But <laughs> Nintendo did it first, and it, it brought them back. And so they're dynamic now is to you know try to introduce new fun ways for all your games to have this motion control stuff and they're doing it almost to the detriment of a lot of their retro games now here's another thing uh nintendo by the way nintendo covers a huge swath of different technology not only the motion control thing and and you know different formats but they actually have they are the kings of the handheld gaming market um with the game boy um, and the Game Boy DS and the Game Boy 3DS and whatever they've made now, um, they've they are the by far the biggest seller of little handheld gaming things. Out of talking about current gaming systems in particular, is um, you know if there's if if there is anything a, a noob needs to know about picking a particular console. Over one or the other, like as far as kinds, um, I, you know. Can if I just into... interrupt and say that it is wonderful that you use the word noob? <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's, it's just hilarious. I just I love it. It's great. Sorry to interrupt on the on the question. It was, it was a good question. It's okay. So so but as it's... far as what console, I would invest. I mean, I before you invest in anything, I would I would find somebody who has one of these and see what they have and see what you can play. Because I think what we should discuss is the different types of games. And yes. Because if we that describe the different types of games, one of these may sound interesting to a noob person, and that's really what they should go pursue. Okay, so, yeah. Types of games, let's, let's cover that. The different categories of games and the consoles that they uh, you might find them more prevalently on over another console. So I'm going to start with my personal favorite, which is RPGs, which is role-playing games. Uh, And this is the kind of game where, again, it's my personal favorite. You start off with a character. It's very story-driven, and and that's why I love it. You spend, I don't know, probably 40, 50, 60, or more hours learning this story, watching it unfold. You start off with a character um, who's a very weak character as far as their combat goes and as far as their abilities um, and you watch them grow and become stronger and you watch them gain friends and become a cohesive fighting unit um, as they conquer their challenges or whatever else as they go and so I love this game because I love things that are story driven and so that's that's a one type of game you also have kind of adventure games which are just a little bit different uh, I would say, and the distinction's a little bit blurred sometimes, so I'd like to hear what you guys think about this. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that the difference between these two is that, one, every every fight, whether you're at the beginning of the game or the end of the game, in an adventure game, is going to be a lot more skill-based rather than things that you have accrued 
throughout the game. So like in an RPG game, you can farm is what they call it, which is where you spend time getting stronger so that your characters can beat up a guy that's that's which, bigger Which is where them. some of that 60 hours goes. <laughs> which is somewhat where the 60 hour goes, exactly. And it can be repetitive, so just be warned, you know, if you... If you yep. Yeah, sorry, keep going. Absolutely. No, no, that's true. That's that's the downfall of an RPG game for sure is the repetitive, the necessity to farm. You were talking about action games, and they're less – yeah, I think the big difference is they're less farming. There's – I think you talk about skill, and it's skill meaning reflexes, being able to think on the spot because usually you have a list of abilities and apply them quickly and time it right as things are coming at you. And deal with uh, you know the game freezing up and slowing down and lagging on you, which can be frustrating. But that's that's one kind. Another, but but there are other types. And if you're not really wanting to be one of those reflexive people, you might want to look at something called turn-based games. Uh, you'll you'll find them like it's it's a style of play within a category of games. So the game <laughs> the game is a role-playing game, an RPG. But there are RPGs that are turn-based, and it's sort of more like you're in combat, and now you know, you select what you're going to do and then the enemy will do what they're going to do and then you, you do another round and you, take you don't have turns. to be super... Yeah, you take turns and you, you don't have to be super quick and, and all that sort of stuff. Okay, so we've got RPGs. You guys have mentioned first-person shooters, FPSs, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, yep. And briefly everyone describe kind those. of knows what those are. Those are, you have a gun, you're looking out at the with the gun and shooting at the aliens or whatever. And some of those still have a lot of good story in them, depending on which ones you play. They're... Another big category is going to be a real-time strategy. Civilization. <laughs> Actually, I don't, think that's, I don't think that's a real-time game. Um, I think it is, it, isn't it? Or, or it could be turn-based, turn-based but I, I thought it was real-time. I'd say it's more turn-based, based on what I know of it. So the, the distinction here is that turn-based strategy is like chess, except for you'll likely have a lot more moving pieces. So with Civilization, you have 18,000 cities, and each one of them can be micromanaged as much or as little as you want, Whereas, and you do all of this in one turn, and then you end your turn, and all of that turn is like accounts for a year of time that passes or something, and then you get your next turn, which is one year later. Whereas StarCraft and other real-time strategy games... Um, the, Time is a resource, so if you are quick with your management of units, then you can get a lot more accomplished, whereas if you're slow, like I am, then you're going to lose, because you're not going to be able to build enough units in time, you're not going to be able to... You have to multitask. Exactly. The people that are really good can split up their armies and do all these crazy things, and I just die. And also, you still have to have a little bit of coordination as far as keeping your hand. Like, I can't keep my hands on a keyboard and move the mouse, and that's why I like controllers. But uh, yeah, so that may not sound very appealing unless you like multitasking and fast reflexes. I kind of want to point out some different ones just because everything, and you're going to see this a lot, every, almost everything in video games and everything we've talked about so far involves combat of some kind, whether it's leading armies, whether it's shooting a gun, slicing a sword, there's some sort of combat involved, but that is not every video game. So if you are not interested in... Portal's not combat. Right. That's one of the first ones that Nick introduced me to. Correct. Okay. Uh, It's not combat. Portal's more of a puzzle solver. Yeah, it's a puzzle (laughs) solver, but you are still a first-person character with a portal gun that creates portals that get you to the next level. I'm not saying that's violence. I'm saying that's a great example. Uh, There are... There are new games coming out, a new category. It's gotten a name now called Walking Simulators, where it may be first person or third person, but there is no combat. You walk through a world that has been created and explore it. Hmm. Uh, and and some games are not, you know, again, a lot of games don't try to be just one thing. There's, there's a new game coming out called, uh, I think it's No Man's Sky, which 
is like 90% exploration, 10% you might, you know, get in a starship battle. But mm. it, it's like really stressing. You're going to you're going to land on planets, you're going to explore new things and and it's going to be different for every person who plays. All right, this is a good time to ask. This, this isn't a question that um, that I've asked at all or very well in previous podcasts. But um, for for people who are interested in gaming, um, kind of what I'm hoping with you know Gateway Geek and all is uh, to to find those linking interests. So we've mentioned puzzles. So if you're interested in puzzles at all, well, there's probably a video game that you'll really enjoy. So Portal, check it out. It's awesome. Portal, yes. So what are what are some other aspects like Minecraft? The first thing that comes to mind is if you're engineering minded at all, you know, if you're into le- and this may seem silly with thirty year olds talking about this, but uh, if you're into Legos at all or any other is kind of engineering, Legos. I love Legos. I, mm-hmm. Okay, well that's us. No, that's exactly what Minecraft is. You know. You're right. That's great. Yeah. Okay. That's a great description. So, are, can you guys think of any other kind of bridging interests? Um, that the, where you can go from that interest into video games. Um, obviously, we've kind of, in, in a particular way, we've already talked about sports um, and how that bridges into video games. But what are some other interests? Uh, there's perhaps one more aspect I would need to go over in order to adequately answer that. Um, there are plenty of games I can mention, but I think one important thing to keep in mind is um, the different games we're talking about, they tend to... Um, require um, some kind of a, a, a skill or, or some kind of mini game uh, in order to play the game well. Um, so when we say first-person shooter, the reason we categorize games like that is because that's what you're doing Like when you play the game. That's like 90% of the game is you are pointing a gun at something and you rotate the camera to shoot at it or you die. And, and mm-hmm. you have to use that in order to get what you want. Um, same thing with a platformer which would be those adventure games that dan mentioned um you have to learn to jump and get out of the way of things coming at you you have to learn to jump over pits um you have to learn to you know swing a sword at something but you have to get up close to it to do that um so you have to learn to pilot a a character inside a game really well that's why it's called a platformer and then there's role-playing games which tend to be turn-based games sometimes sometimes they're not but most of the time sometimes there'll be a little bit of platformer but most of the time the the mini game is you're sort of playing with your characters and managing their resources in order to get further in the story um so and that uh what you're doing plays big into that now if you're not really interested in mastering those mini games in one of those mini games then uh, you are going to want to start with something that's much simpler, um, as much as you can. I wouldn't start with Call of Duty, although that might be fun if you want to just throw yourself in (laughs) to something that's kind of fast-paced. But uh, slow-paced tends to be the games we're starting to recommend first. Again, like Tony said, find a person who can recommend something to you particularly, uh, because they will have a good idea of what would be too much and what would be a great place to start out. And we'll recommend those later. This may sound archaic, but go over to their house, sit on their couch, and play the game. I mean, see if you like it. Wait, in person? It's so weird. Yeah. Well, and that's something, too, that this came up in the toy episode, that as far as those linking interests, those those other, you know, gateways from kind of normal life into geekdom, um, one of those gateways was kind of relationships as, as far as, you know, you go out and hang out with your friends and, and do whatever, well... 
this is the same thing. Just go over to your friend's house and hang out and watch them play video games. It's just like hanging out in any other situation. It's just you're doing something geeky. So it's a great way to build those relationships as well. If mm-hmm. if that's another, you know, attributing gateway. You guys remember, you are a noob to start with. <laughs> um, Really quick. Is is there any, like you guys have used a couple of words that I'm like, oh yeah, well, that's that's lingo, you know. Um, Are there just a real quick rundown of any kind of gaming lingo? Can I please explain noob? <laughs> yeah, uh, noob. Dan mentioned it earlier. Gonna, if you're going to explain it, just really quick, nothing nothing crazy. Um, noob is short for newbie. And it was a single syllable word we use to call people who are not very skilled at a game, usually as a slur. But uh, if you genuinely Don't are new to the game, that. it depends on the it depend, no, it depends on the spelling, <laughs> whether it's a dis or it's like calling someone stupid and calling someone ignorant. So N zero zero B B is calling someone stupid. N E W is calling not someone skilled ignorant. at the game. Yeah, rather because they're, <laughs> they're new. No, and, and that's something to say. There is. So many. There are so many different terms because there is such a social element to a lot of gaming. Most of the stuff oh, we listed is single player, uh, but mm. there is a huge social element, and there is so many words and so much to say that yeah, the especially when you're trying to say it over a headset while the game's being played, you learn a vernacular attributed to your game, and sometimes it carries over, but it's always going to be abbreviations. Sometimes it's just saying the abbreviation. You know, it's... Mm-hmm. It, it. That's why I'm like, there is... Start playing the game, and then when people start talking to you, go, what? Because I do that all the time, uh, because I've fallen out of a lot of different categories. It's like, I don't know that one. I, and, you mm-hmm. know, they have to say it out loud, and then I know that one. But find a game you like first before you start learning lingo. Come to think of it, we didn't even um, go over you know, MMOs. I wasn't, I kind of wanted to, but I wasn't sure if you were going to bring it up later. I think uh, MMOs, well, there's a lot about them, but MMO is massive multiplayer online, first of all. And then usually is followed by the second acronym RPG. It's gotten to where they're all, yeah, they're (laughs) all, they're all, they've become almost every MMO is an RPG at the same time. You're except instead of playing in, in a single player RPG, you're usually the main character. You're one of many characters. And uh, it's what I love about it is you can a make friends with strangers, you know, through your Mm -hmm. avatar, which is your character. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's it's your representation of you in whatever world you're in. So if you're in a fantasy world, it can be a warrior or mage or whatever. And you can, you know, there are ways to chat and talk to people and get into groups to do things you could not do by yourself with just your character. So there's a great team building there. Also, if you have friends that play, um, I usually get on a voice chat, like kind of like we're doing with this hangout right now and talk to them. And while I'm, you know, doing different tasks in the game, I'm talking to my little brother who I don't really get to see because we live States away and just figuring out what's going on with his day. It's like, Oh yeah, kill that. And anyway, so I was saying, uh, that dude's over there, you know, and it's just, <laughs> It's just kind of a – the pace is usually slow enough that you can have a conversation, especially kind of when you start to master things. And then when something cool happens in the game, you share in that experience. It's like, oh, man, did you just see that? And it's it's so much more fun because, you know, we're human beings. We're social creatures. You get to, like, experience that with people. And and a lot of my friends who were – you know, or friends that we still stayed in touch through video games. 
And if you're going to go into multiplayer, I think it's fair to warn you just real quick. There is a bit of a volatile community. I have to explain this to my wife. Uh, yeah, (laughs) there's, there is no accountability. I mean, you hear about this on the internet with chat rooms and stuff, but you, you hear it in your headset in a lot of multiplayer games or read it in the text in a lot of multiplayer games. There's no account, no accountability. The age range is not only unknown of the other players, but usually younger to like older and never grew up. You're going to hear and see some things. I don't want to scare you. I just Mm. want to prepare you that you just ignore. Don't try and argue with a person that's being immature and saying things that you're like, that that's so just horrible that like, it's almost absurd. They're, mm-hmm. they're trying to get a reaction for you. They're trying to get you to like in, in a fight. It, it's part of the game. Sometimes in a game, people yeah. will try and rattle you to make you play worse. That is a strategy. And I do not consider those people geeks, but they are definitely hardcore. It's called going on tilt. They, they try putting you on tilt and you play worse. Yeah. And when, mm-hmm. and in the moment of a competitive game, that can be something that'll cause you to make a big mistake and lose the game. Mm. Is that, uh, Nick, is that what League of Legends is? Actually, Nick or Daniel? Sometimes. I mean, I don't play it nearly as much as I used to. <laughs> but I'm just saying, does it fit into the MMO category? Oh, no, it's not an MMO at all. That's uh, Okay, what is it? <laughs> it's a online battle arena. Is that what they settled on the term it's called for? A, it? it's, I thought it was a MOBA. What is MOBA? I, I haven't actually mm. learned that one. That's a mobile online battle arena, I think, um, which is like on your phone or something. Or maybe it is League of Legends, No, it's because they're calling Overwatch multiplayer. MOBA. Wait, multiplayer online battle arena. Oh, okay. Boom. Nailed it. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, that is technically what League of Legends is. Um, just like uh, Dota is the original one. You might hear that one. That's the less known one. But they, they have these MOBAs all over the the place now, and, and it's usually like a kind of a one team versus the other team. You have objectives. Um, it's basically like capture the flag, except for a gigantic. Yeah, it's, it's usually a lot faster paced, not like as much... Uh character building like in an rpg where dan was talking about you level your character in a mmorpg mm. you level your character there's a given there's a reward system that's it's been studied psychologically in its effects because it can be very uh addicting the thing that a moba like league of legends will share in common with an mmorpg like world mm-hmm. of warcraft or eve online or something else the things that they share in common is that you can queue up with a group of friends and you guys mm. can go and you know it could be you and your four buddies and you guys go beat the other team and rawr and you say mean things to them in the chat and uh, you all laugh together <laughs> yes we troll people that's another <laughs> exactly. term but that's just a general internet term but you know we do it in games too <laughs> right but the difference between the MOBA and the MMORPG um, is that with the MMORPG it is you have one character from beginning to end and you're kind of constantly invested in this character mm. and you're building them up. And whereas with the MOBAs, they're, they're short, you know, one hour, half hour, 20 minute, kind of depending on what you're playing. There is less of a commitment. You just sort of hop in, hop out. Yeah. Okay. It's sort of the multiplayer version of the fighter games. Almost. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, a little more strategy based, but yeah, basically right, right, a right, right. multiplayer fighter game. It is a great, I will say its benefit is it's a great pastime. Uh, once you've purchased a game you like, if it's a good game and you, you know, you've done your research and found your style of game you like, you can kill a lot of time with that, you know, instead of going out and spending, you know, X amount of money eating and drinking and whatever, you can stay at home. You can still socialize too. It's, it's, 
it's relaxing and and sometimes it feels more rewarding when you like accomplish something in a game so it it definitely has its benefits it uh, to invest in it's what i see online all the time give your kids money for games and they'll never have money for drugs so boom <laughs> that's very true <laughs> indeed started talking about this just in mentioning the reward system Mm -hmm. is the kind of quick pros and cons i see i keep saying quick that's funny uh the pros and cons of gaming um you know we've you've already started talking about some of the pros with kind of the relational you get to hop on with other people if it's a multiplayer game um and and that's a lot of fun but there's also some negatives so you know, what are those positives and negatives? I would say the the cons, uh, and you have to know yourself, first of all. The cons of, like, an MMO, but really any video game, is that it should hold, if it's worth its worth its cost, it should hold hours and hours of gameplay. Like, we're talking, like, Dan was talking about a game that could be, like, 80 hours plus to play through everything. You are not supposed to do that in a weekend. I mean, I guess you can, if you that's what you <laughs> want to do. That's up to you, and you decide how bad and you know negative that is for you but you know sitting down and staring in a screen for so long has negative benefits so you've got to you know make yourself get up you've got to do that the game's not going to look at you and like zap you and you know we're we're i think initially talking about adults here your mom's not going to call down at you to like you know from upstairs or downstairs or wherever to get off the game you've got to be in control uh one of you know, like MMOs especially are known for having like people addicted to them because they have this great, mm. they start you out very simply with this, hey, you did something, level up. And it's slowly the difficulty increases and you need to involve more people. And, you, and it's a great system, but it gives a, a false sense of achievement, I would say, or, or a, a simulated sense of achievement that some people will interpret as achievement, typically, uh, and I've known people that have gotten hooked into MMOs and don't do anything else because they have problems in their life. There's always something else related, and they would rather experience the simulated success than deal with real-life problems. And But I don't blame the game. In fact, I was reading – oh, crap, I can't remember the title – but Felicia Day's latest book. Uh, I think it's her only mm-hmm. book, but Felicia Day wrote a book, Big Geek, we've talked about in other podcasts – about uh, how she had at one point, I mean, this wasn't the whole book, but it was about her life and at one point where she got addicted to World of Warcraft and she said flat out, I don't blame World of Warcraft. It was my choice of drug. It was my alcohol. It was my, you know, heroin. It was my whatever. I chose World of Warcraft to be my addiction, just like everybody else does. The And there is a little bit of, I guess, a chemical addiction to it because you feel that satisfaction of achievement and you are socializing with other people. And that may be hard to do for like an introverted person outside in the world. And so there there are I think there's a lot of negative opinion to it. I think some of it is is right. But you as a person have to have to decide that i do that does bring up something i mentioned before uh pokemon for example was something i brought up that kind of it it plays to um a human being's need to collect stuff mm-hmm. and so does so does warcraft actually um and some people yes. you know there's there's a bit of a you know is this moral debate sometimes because you basically hook people on this and then you just take money from them over and over over time mm-hmm. and some people see this as kind of immoral or something but uh I like I, I agree with Felicia Day in this that um, generally no, it's not alcohol's fault you got into it. Um, it's kind of you know 
you're depressed and it's your one moment of relief and you keep getting hooked on that moment of relief because everything else is going wrong. One thing about video games that makes them different from board games or, you know, like tabletop games is because you can actually play them by yourself. Not not every board game can do that. In fact, most of them can't. Um, mm -hmm. You need another player. Um, you can play chess by yourself, but it's not nearly as much fun. Most of these games, can you can be there for hours and hours and not have any social interaction. That was, in fact, the stigma associated with them when I was growing up. I would spend hours and hours and hours in the basement playing games, and then I'd come out of the basement, oh, look who decided to co join the living. Uh, okay, fine. And the, the joke to that now with... with like especially like MMOs and online play is that you've actually talked to maybe, you know, 20, 30 people and, you know, the two people upstairs from the basement had what kind of conversation? Well, I, I kind of wanted to just sum up. That is a con that you can, uh, I, you know, like pros and cons. That is a con perhaps to some games is that you got to be perhaps a little bit careful as to when you choose to invest in it because it can be time-sucking for things that you maybe should have time for yourself but that's kind of something you figure out for yourself this is just one of many things that can do that it mm. also what do you value is really i think what it is like a lot of people get really excited some of my friends who are really into the world of warcraft mmo would tell me about items they got and things that happened to them outside of the game because i would see them and you know i when I played it, that was really interesting. When I stopped playing it, it was kind of boring. It's something, you know, also you, you talk about these games taking hours and hours. Certain games don't end. MMOs don't have an end. It, it's their, their, mm. They charge a subscription to play, and that's how they afford to continuously keep producing content. You don't beat that game. You socialize in it. And some mm -hmm. people say that's bad. I, I think it's a matter of opinion. It, it's a matter of, you know, do you pri what do you prioritize in your own life? I mean, then we get into a lot of deep stuff there but but that is where the general con comes from from these kind of games is that you think of them as important and other people who don't play them think of them as not and that's what i mean by you've got to decide that for yourself what is important mm -hmm. and be ready for some backlash because if you spend your time playing lots of video games people are going to look down on you because they don't get it so yeah, we've talked a bit about the negative that can be people getting sucked in people not prioritizing people starving themselves in order to play starcraft for <laughs> 18 hours at a time that's actually yeah. happened yeah. um but i think there's a lot of uh positives that go with it as well um pragmatically uh and this is of specific interest to me They've actually done studies that have shown that um, when they're looking at people for surgery, who's the best surgeon that they can generate, um, they've found that, and I think I've probably mentioned this study to you before, um, the people that make the best surgeons are people that have played video games. That actually a history of playing video games is a better predictor of a good surgeon more so than having a history of being a surgeon already. And you're personally invested in this. Why? Please explain to the audience. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm in medical school. I'm... Uh, training to do eye surgery. Um, there you go. Build so your dexterity. But either way, yes, the point is that it builds your dexterity, but not just that. Like, it also builds your ability to, to think up on your, your feet, um, to kind mm. of <laughs> it levels up your dexterity. Thanks, Nick. Your reaction time. <laughs> your reaction time, but also your resource management, um, your problem-solving skills. I think that my outlook on the world has been uh, pretty positively influenced because of the fact that I play video games. I'm a very strong problem-solver because of the fact that I've been faced with many different varieties of problems across the years of playing video games. Um, mm -hmm. and, and while these problems are artificial, um, nonetheless, I think that it trains you to think a certain way that is going to help you in the long run if you can um, kind of control, I don't know, that 
that need to always be playing if if that is something that you mm-hmm. deal with. <laughs> right on. I think that's a great point, Dan. Just saying. Thank you. Also, you're a very sexy man. I hope we don't cut that. <sighs> Guess what's not getting cut? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Oh, you can cut the tension with a knife. <laughs> a surgical knife. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. We do this every episode. We do favorites, uh, and normally it is plural. Normally, <laughs> I would ask for three favorites from each of you. I am not going to do that tonight. Um, oh. We have video games is it's just such a huge topic, as you guys have have made it clear tonight. There's just so much to it. So I want you to pick one uh, each as far as as a favorite video game. It can be uh, something from back in the day. It can be current. Um, this is your personal favorite. Uh, a newbie recommendation will come soon enough, but this is your personal favorite and then why you like it. So my personal favorite, I think the greatest video game of all time is a game called Chrono Trigger. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I love RPG games. And so this one is an RPG game. It was for the Super Nintendo. Um, things that I really love about it is uh, it may sound gimmicky because there is time travel involved, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it's not. And just trust me on this. You have a, a, a team that you build up and you travel across your world from the beginning of time until the end of time and kind of watch events unfold and you kind of change the events that have unfolded and you cause certain events to unfold. And it's just really awesome. The story is incredible. The characters have character growth as you go. It's it's actually pretty challenging. And personally, I love it because the music is just mm. remarkable. Totally agreed. Even now, I actually look up like orchestrations of the music from mm. this game. It's just it's so beautiful. That's another gateway. That's another gateway. If you're big into music, there are some fantastic scores out there. Absolutely. Zelda, Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger, all Last of Us. Amazing. Last of Us. Mass really Effect, Skyrim. Skyrim. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dan, who makes Chrono Trigger? Uh, I think it's, is that Square Enix? Yeah, it's Square Enix or Squaresoft. Well, it used to be Squaresoft. It was Squaresoft Square Square back then. There's Square Enix now. So, so Square Enix just... Uh, I thought so. You guys. I just wanted to, to check. And yeah. I think it'd they be good make for the, the Final Fantasy games. They um, Final Fantasy is a really big franchise that is all uh, role-playing games. Um, so, yeah, this is their specialty, role-playing games. I like your choice, Dan. Um, I have Thank a you. slight preference for their sequel, Chrono Cross, which is a very Ooh, good I've game as well. Really? Best music of any game, in my opinion. I love that game so much. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Huh. But, yes, I love Chrono Trigger as well. So, that great choice and do you need to play the original to play the sequel do you think no a lot you of do games, not it is you some do not games at all. require that some games don't they're just a sequel that stand alone on their own it's more of a spiritual successor rather than an actual sequel this story's not tied at all exactly and it's on a completely different system as well so the look is completely different so it's yeah yeah something to look at when you're picking out a game if it says x3 or x number seven is see if there's really any reason to pick up one through six because sometimes it's like it is standalone and they just keep making them because they make improvements on games all right nick okay what have you got What's my your favorite, favorite all time? and oh man it's hard to pick but yes i do have one um final fantasy tactics for playstation one absolutely love this game so much um okay final fantasy is a series of games that is made by square enix as well this one is kind of an oddball in the series um as in it's not part of their there's a Final Fantasy 1, 2, 3, 4, all the way up to 15 we were joking about. Each installment is totally different. It's like a it's like a book in a sort of similar world 
each one is kind of self-contained. So you don't really have to play any one of them to understand what's going to happen in the next one or something. They're all pretty disconnected, except for the world is similar. There's uh, This game in particular is a bit of an oddball in the series in that it's not a regular uh, turn-based RPG like with an open world. Um, this one is more like a chess game. It's very medieval uh, sword and sorcery themed, which of course I love. There's a conspiracy. You're the son of a noble, a sort of, well, you're a bastard son of a noble. Um, <laughs> and uh, you're a son of a noble kind of thing. You find out there's um, people have been, people get murdered. Um, there's, you're trying to figure out what's going on. There's, uh, there's a really big um, world jeopardizing plot somewhere in the midst of all this that you fight dragons you fight monsters in the forest but the game itself is really fun because you get to strategize where you get to place your players you end up sort of commanding a troop of people who all personally they stick with you and something they can die like individually mm. people on your team if you don't command your team well individuals on that team can die and they don't come back it's known as permadeath in the uh, video game world I absolutely loved this. The the story of it is it's been remade a couple times. In fact, you can pick it up on an iPad now, um, and it's actually really fun to play that one as well because they speed it up just a little bit and uh, they refined the translation because it was a Japanese game. Just like, by the way, most of these games come from Japan. <laughs> There's yeah, maybe most, maybe not most, but uh, <laughs> originally it's kind of almost all of them now. did, and now America's really kind of catching up slash streamlining ahead but still everything you guys have named is like good old school japanese base yeah we call them jrpgs because of the mm. japanese origin well and the style is kind of different than american rpgs yes western rpgs are more like skyrim where you know, you know there's differences and nuances we can get into but this game in particular is actually not like a lot of jrpgs as well it, it throws away a lot of the tropes that act, frankly annoy me about Final <laughs> Fantasy. Um, in fact, I kind of stopped playing the Final Fantasies after 10 because um, they suck, really. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Final Fantasy Tactics. Pick it up on an iPad. Please do and play through this. This is a ton of fun learning magic and and planning out things. like It's like a chess game. Just think of it like a chess game. It's really fun. And if you actually play it all the way to the end, the story is really engaging as well. Tony, what is your... Favorite game, all time, number one. Uh, so same thing with all of my favorites. It usually boils down to a few factors. Factors with video games, like the important, what's important to me in a video game is ranked from top to least. Uh, gameplay, and that means response time, like how well the game plays, how well I feel involved in the game. There are a lot of games that are supposed to be action games, but you hit a button or you do something and it's sort of delayed or it's called lag or it's just poorly made and it just doesn't respond well and it isn't really quick and snappy. There's just all sorts of... There's sometimes what they ask you to do is just like they've got this big event that your character does and all you do is hit square or X or whatever and your character does like six things and I feel sort of like I'm watching the game, not playing it. So gameplay mm -hmm. is really important. So that's the first thing that this game has for me. It has excellent gameplay. I haven't listed it yet. Uh, the next thing is story. Uh, I guess I'm a big story guy. I like interesting characters, characters that I think are cool, especially in video games. They're usually... You could probably like line all the characters I like up and they, they all look the same or have similar personality traits, but whatever. I don't care. It's for me. I like good story with fun characters. And somewhere in there, graphics fall. I know that's really important for a lot of people gaming today, but I mean, it could be, you know, your 8-bit block graphics or your newest graphics. And as long as the other two things are like A+, I don't really care about the graphics. 
But the last thing, and this I won't know till I play the game, but it's the same with movies and TV for me. If it's going to be on my favorite all-time list, it's got to have uh, replayability, rewatchability. I want to go through it again and again and again, or at least multiple times. And uh, that game for me is, is a bit of a newer one, and it's called Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> and I'd like to include its uh, DLC, which is downloadable content. It's you buy the game, and then they they create new content. It's not enough to be a whole game, but they sell it for maybe like a fraction of the cost, and you still get, for that cost, more content with the same characters. And because Bioshock Infinite is a great story uh, set in, you know, sort of a steampunk fantasy era, you're, you're in a city up in the clouds, like literally inflated by balloons, and it's a FPS, first-person shooter, where you run around as this guy who um, everybody wants to stop because you're prophesized that you're going to mess everything up. So you kind of have to mess everything up because there's a prophecy that you're going to do it because they're trying to stop you. And <laughs> it, the story is it's, – it's much more to it than that, but the, the gameplay, it's – you know. Quick FPS, the response time is great. There's a bit of a magic element involved. It switches out flawlessly. You can do some really great action-y stuff where you, you've got this like kind of zipline thing that you're zipping around the city on, and you can drop down and do all sorts of cool attacks. Obviously, I'm very, I sound very violent right now, but it's really great when you play it, and it's bright and it's colorful. It's not this dingy gray and browns that you see in, in normal mm-hmm. FPSs these days that they're just now learning that they need to stop doing. And mm-hmm. it's... it's 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 just so much fun. And then you go through the story, and this is another one my wife watched me play. Actually, she saw it. She saw the trailer for it, and because I'm the skeptic and think, oh, look at that trailer. It barely showed you any of the gameplay. It showed you all the cinematics, which are all like the parts where you sit down and watch things play out, uh, which there are very few of. Actually, there aren't any. Turns out that was all gameplay. But uh, you watch. She saw the trailer and said, that looks good. And I was like, nah. And I got it because she, she was interested and wanted to see more of it because it had like a steampunk element. And we both fell in love with it enough that we bought the mm. DLC and got like the additional story and, you know, just, just played through all of it. And I wish it was on a console I still owned. It was on the PS3 originally. And the consoles are being really finicky about releasing or allowing you to play old games on the new console. They realize that the games they're making now are not as good or not as good as what they used to make. And we're not buying the new games. We're just playing the old games on the new console because they run better. Yeah. Yeah. And so this one has not come out. I heard there's a rumor it might, um, I've bought it on like PC, which, but I'm, I am horrible at the mouse and keyboard stuff. So I can't, I, I don't have the response time. I don't have the reflexes to play it, and it's just not the same for me. So I'm I'm really hoping it gets released. Bioshock Infinite, uh, all the way, totally my, my all-time favorite. We've covered y'all's favorites, which are some really good games. Um, now, I need one recommendation from each of you again, but this for specifically for newbies people who i'm trying to maybe maybe not so new as like where we started this podcast where we're like defining what a video game is um assume they know a video (laughs) game assume they may be you know familiar but they really do not play video games they have no experience playing video games um i need a recommendation from each of you as far as where is a good place for our audience to start let's all just by the way right off the bat say portal is already one we would all recommend and we've mentioned it already so uh no one picked Portal. <laughs> We're just recommending it now. <laughs> You'd all recommend that? Definitely. Yeah, it's really good. It's uh, If you have a puzzle-mindedness or portal about two, you. Portal 1. Portal 1 is maybe the one I'd recommend first because it's short. It's like three hours or something if you want to just play it all the way through. 
it's it's got a lot of charm. You'll know what I mean when you play it. Well, let's just hit up the same order. Uh, Daniel, do you want to go first? Um, I do. Uh, so I'm actually going to go a little bit off the beaten path here. I'm going to say that if you're new to gaming, Animal Crossing and any of the Animal Crossing games would be um, good ones for you to check out. They're actually a little unique in the gaming industry in that there's no combat. There's not like necessarily a big objective-driven thing that you have to do. It's just kind of, I don't know, it's very low-key. Like, just do stuff. Just, like, manage the city or, or whatever. Um, and so I think that they're they're very fun. They're very low-key um, and kind of get you into the hang a little bit of how to problem solve as a gamer. Um, is that like, I'm, I'm actually like Googling it as you talk because I'd never heard of that one. Is that like Farmville or something? Is that the impression that I'm... I, I actually don't really know anything about Farmville, so... Okay, okay. I don't think so, though. I think they're they're pretty different. Okay. I think Farmville is a little more like maybe Clash of Clans or something. Um, it's a little more like resource management-y and mm-hmm. armies and stuff, I think, but... Or SimCity, maybe. And, and again, the, the caveat for me here is that, like, these games are not my personal favorite games of all time. Of but I think that if I was to come into games at this point in my life, that would be a fun place to start. Okay. Um, and where is that available? What what? So these are, these are Nintendo games. Um, so I think that the current one is on the Nintendo DS 3. Uh, 3DS is what it's called. Yeah, Animal Crossing New Leaf. But there have been lots of iterations of this game. Uh, as Nick mentioned earlier, Nintendo kind of does a lot of reproducing of their old intellectual property. Um, so With a twist each time. <laughs> with a twist each time, yeah. And they're very good at that. So Actually, any Nintendo game is actually a pretty great starting point because they're usually pretty simple. But... Yeah, actually, that's a fair point. Really, any okay. Nintendo game will be uh, simple enough that you can just pick it up and go. Nick? Shoot, man, I want to play me some Nintendo games now. Some Mario, some, <laughs> some Mega Man, and some Zelda. And some... Mega Man's great. Let's see. Uh, okay, the game I'd recommend for newbies to try out, because I like I like exploring worlds. I love that stuff. Open world sandbox type things. Absolutely love that. I, I love exploring caves and, and crevices and meeting new people, ex- discovering towns, discovering things. It doesn't feel like I was supposed to find. <laughs> mm. I love that kind of stuff. The game I'd recommend is Journey, mm. which is an extremely sedate, it seems, but not really. I mean, once you actually play through it, you can finish the game in about three, four hours if you want, maybe less. Mm-hmm. It's uh, It's got an, a beautiful soundtrack. Basically, you're this robed character on some world. Not really sure what world. And it's got this ancient mysticism sort of theme to it. There's very... There's very little to have, to have to control. You can basically jump around, and there's a couple of things you can learn and interact with as you go along. But you're in this giant desert, and there are ruins of old cities and castles and stuff. And as you explore through it, you do find things that are worth finding because, you know, you learn you can actually float for a little bit. And each power-up you find, you can float for longer and higher and things like that. So, I mean, those things are good to find. But the more you explore, the more you actually discover what the backstory of this whole civilization was. And as you go through the game, you start to see what happened to everyone because you seem to be like the only person out there. There's a huge replay value to this, too, because after you've played the game or even when you start playing it, you might actually see another player. Like it, uh, This game, I think, is, an ex- is a PlayStation game, but I don't know if it's an exclusively PlayStation game. 
uh, you'll actually see another person playing the game in your game. So randomly, another person who's who looks kind of similar to the same hero as you um, is also playing the game. And you can't really talk to each other necessarily, not like with a headset or something. Um, but you can like chirp with like this little <laughs> tone or something at each other and like sort of signal, hey, over here kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually... Cool. Usually what it is is the other player is guiding you to secrets or something like that. That's usually what they do. Because um, a lot of people are playing this for the first time. I have no idea what they're doing. And the other players are, like, you know, like showing you how to do stuff. Because it's a lot of puzzle solving, too. Or they help you through stages, if I remember correctly. Yes, they'll do that, too. And there are some stages where you can't, I think, really die. But I don't know that for sure. I haven't actually tested that. So, um, right. <laughs> so yes, Journey absolutely check it out it's on playstation yes playstation Network it is on playstation only yep yes playstation only but it's totally worth picking up if you have a playstation 3 or 4 pick this up it is a fantastic game beautiful and that soundtrack alone um mm-hmm. is just worth having and it's beautiful as well the game itself is utterly beautiful yeah and i i can actually kind of speak into this again kind of as a low level more casual player um, that was a game you introduced me to, and I, if I'm going to play a game, what is most likely going to happen, it's going to be a fighter game, and I'm going to mash buttons. I'm a button masher, and it's fun for me, and I sit down, and I play a couple of rounds, and that's it. Nick introduced me to this game, to Journey, and he played it for a while. I think he played through the first, the entire first game, so we, I mean, we, I sat and watched him play this game for three hours, and it was so relaxing like journey is something that i would throw on at the end of a day when i came home from work and i could play through the whole thing i would spend a night playing it before i had children and uh i I would spend the night playing it and there are tense moments in the game but but so often it really is it's just this exploration that i was not familiar with in gaming i grew up with platformers which are really nerve-wracking and fight games so I, I too, as a, as a newbie, completely back that. The journey is a really great place to start. So, okay, Tony, what is your newbie recommendation? Well, first, just let me say the video game world is vast, and it's so vast that I've already taken notes, and I'm going to, like, check out a couple of the games that have been mentioned by the other people on <laughs> this podcast. I love that. <laughs> so I've got a huge list, and I'm still trying to get through it. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm going to preface my recommendation with... Uh, the knowledge that you, or you should have that a lot of games have a difficulty setting. And, you know, I won't judge you if when before you hit start on the game, you go to options is usually what they call it, or settings, and you find in the gameplay mode, uh, the gameplay category to turn it down to easy. And I would recommend doing this before you start this game, and there's no shame. But mm-hmm. because I've uh, been talking about story in games the whole time, I'm going to recommend a very newer game called The Last of Us, which mm. I've, already, I've already mentioned. I, I want you to start with this game, not because it's going to be the super easiest, but you can crank it down to easy so it'll be more forgiving. I want you to start this game because if you play this game and you do not find it immersive, I mean, like, you don't get immersed in the character and in the story, don't listen to anything else I've recommended then because this game was a beautiful story told. And I don't think it would have been as beautiful if I wasn't playing the game. If I was watching this on TV or in a movie theater, I would not have gotten as immersed as I had. And the I guess the premise of the game is, and this is going to sound really lame, zombie apocalypse. 
I know. I'm not a big <laughs> zombie apocalypse guy. I feel like it's done to death. No, this this put a whole new spin on it because it's not about the zombies. It's about the characters, uh, the character you play, and specifically a character that is that becomes kind of vital to your character really early on. Uh, that's all I want to tell you. Other than it's 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 manageable gameplay, and if for some reason you just you can't beat it. Get your video game friend, hire somebody to come beat this game for you and watch them. <laughs> Say, start on easy, stick on easy. But I played it on hard, and then I played it through three more times on the hardest mode because I was that immersed. Uh, it also had a DLC, which was sort of like an expanded story um, that I also played through. And it, it takes place at a certain point in the game, that in the main game. So one time I got really crazy and played it through up to the point of the DLC, turned on the DLC, played that all the way through and then picked up the main game again, just because it was, <laughs> and, and I don't get anything for that except the experience I got to experience. And so this game was good enough to make me want to do that. So the last of us, I don't care if you've never played a video game before, pick it up. Oh, oh the music. We were talking about beautiful music. The music yeah. in this game was composed by, oh, I'm going to say his name wrong. He's, South American, Gustavo, uh, I can't even say it right. He's brilliant, and he used unconventional, like he was hired by the uh, the gaming studio, which I believe is Naughty Dog, uh, to do this music, and he used all sorts of unconventional like instruments and tools. He Because it was set in a post-apocalyptic world, he used an untuned acoustic guitar as the mm. main main deal to get that sound, but it's it grabs you in. I've got the soundtrack. It'll like come on at random in my car when my I'm on <laughs> shuffle and I'll just suddenly start getting like in it, in it. Like I'll start feeling the tension. I'll be like, okay, I have to skip this. I'm driving. The wide range of recommendations that you guys have laid out for new people is, is pretty great. Uh, because even Tony, I've, I've seen a demo of last of us and I don't know how much it's my thing, but when you talk about a new person getting into uh, a horror-esque game on easy and everything that again that brings to mind Bioshock for me and that mm-hmm. I, I was hooked and I'm not that good at gaming I got much better at the controls really quickly which mm-hmm. is an advantage of a game like that you know whether you're kind of taking it easy or or kind of jumping into the deep end with something that's going to kind of stress you out and run you through your paces really quick I think you guys have recommended a great variety uh, to do just that <laughs> Well, I mean, tonight, even with the vast amount of information that is out there on video games um, and the different categories of video games you can play and just all kinds of stuff, the history of video games, too, is very rich. Um, I could do a podcast on every little bit of of video gaming. But, you know, you guys tonight covered really, really great intro to video games, I mean, down to the very basic definition of a video game, some <laughs> of the history of video games, console versus PC. Um, although I'd really like to cover PC even more, maybe in the next one. Um, we went through a variety of gaming systems. Tony, I think you did a, a great job constantly recommending uh, really hooking up with your friends, any kind of gaming friends. Uh, to, to get into this. Um, it's going to be your best bet, your best intro. You guys, like I said, you you not only have some great personal favorites, but you have great newbie recommendations that all of them are going to be available on our site. Everything's going to be linked so you can look it up. And this may be one of the, well, not one of, the most uh, referenced 
podcast I'll have done yet. So there's going to be this giant block of text <laughs> at the bottom of the webpage, and it's going to be everything that these guys have mentioned, um, every production company, every game. Oh, jeez. Um, I do kind not of, envy that chore. I'm yeah, sorry. Any, I, I don't any kind know of why lingo. You, you don't have to do that, hon. <laughs> any kind of console. Well, again, though, I'm encouraging, um, uh, hopefully, you know, our audience is so interested in what you guys have been talking about that, that they're going to do what every geek does, which is click through and look at all this stuff. You know, go through and go, oh yeah, I heard them mention Naughty Dog and click on Naughty Dog and look at all the games that Naughty Dog puts out. I love that company. They're awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually familiar with that one because of you, so that's why I mentioned it. You know, a lot of the consoles, looking up some of the companies, um, all of that stuff, uh, I, I just want them to have a frame of reference. So there's going to be a giant block of text that you'll be able to go and, and look that up. Definitely try out some of the games they've recommended. Look at some of their favorite games, um, even if you are new and they're not newbie appropriate like uh tony said go find someone who's willing to play through them for you (laughs) and uh introduce you to them and um you know all i can say as a fellow video game newbie is uh is good luck and um you know play more games so thanks guys so much for this introduction to video gaming and everything uh as as quick as it was and as jam-packed as it was, I really appreciate you guys introducing our newbies to the topic. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another podcast of Gateway Geek. You can find links to everything we mentioned, yes, everything, on our website, entergatewaygeek.com. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for geeking out.